to truly find the creative voice, I think it's important to investigate and interrogate the stories that we tell ourselves about our abilities to be creative. That's what I'm going to talk about today. I'm Chris Valtimes, and this is the Hyper Memoir Podcast, where we talk about finding and developing your creative voice. So let's get right into it. Um, one of the things that has become apparent to me lately is how much we look at the world through stories. Now, for a lot of you, that might be obvious. And for those of you who don't understand what I mean, keep listening, I'll explain it. But if you don't think that you have stories or that you see the world as it is, I hear a lot of people say that, that, oh, I don't have stories. I see the world as it is. You actually have a story. And even, you know, I see the world as it is, and I don't have any kind of biases or limiting beliefs that have an effect on me. That in and of itself is a story. So I think it's especially important that you listen if that's you. So let me explain what I mean a little bit more. So one thing that I've been reading about lately, and I'll explain the book that I've looked at in a moment, but is how stories can shape the way we look at the world. We all know that. I mean, it's it's kind of an obvious point when you initially think about it, but I think what I've been doing lately that I wanted to share with you is actually going a little bit further and more explicitly looking at what the stories are that I have, or trying to notice the stories that I tell myself when it comes to creativity or making things or sharing things or whatever, all of which have an impact on how my creative voice comes out. So that's what I wanted to talk about today. Um, so, you know, a lot of these stories are collected throughout our lives. These are stories, and I know that for myself speaking personally, I can tell you that a lot of the stories that I have, they just seem sort of like the default reality, as if it's just the way the world works, you know, as the, there are sort of these received assumptions that underlie everything else. So, you know, if I have a belief about something like in terms of what I can do, like what kind of job I can do or what kind of person I can be or what kind of things I can make, that's going to be limited by my stories. And some of those stories are based in reality. I'm not saying that these stories are created out of whole cloth. So um, if my story was I can go out right now and become a concert level sitar player. I don't know how to play that instrument. I don't know how to play it at all. But if my, you know, that's, I have a story that I can't do that. So that's true. Now, maybe that comes from the reality of me not knowing how to play. But I think if I had a story that I could never do that, right, that I could never, ever achieve that goal. And I don't know why I picked this, but I just picked something at random that I could never achieve that goal, that somehow it's out of reach. And it might be. You know, and there might be, you know, no matter what stories I tell, I might not be concert level, but I think a prerequisite for me to become a concert level sitar player, I would have to um, have that story. I'd have to create the story that that's what I can be. I'd have to project that forward. So in a way, that's a story that helps. But what I'm going to talk about more is limiting stories. So, um, you know, like I was saying earlier, the biggest part is to recognize those limiting stories so that we can change them. And um the book I actually read that really brought this to the fore for me, I think it was published late last year. I mean, I heard of it only recently. It's called the book Mind Your Mindset by author Michael Hyatt, and I believe it's his daughter, Megan. Um, and they discuss how it works. And I think one of the things that stuck with me that I'll share with you right now about stories and how they explained the functioning of stories is that instead of seeing the world as cause and effect, our brain actually sees the world in terms of cause story an effect. So when something happens and it's caused by something, we don't just go from A to B. We actually construct a story of how it happened. I think the, you know, or we construct meaning is I think is maybe the more uh, appropriate way to put it. So I think one of the stories they had in the book was about, 
you know, prehistoric hunter, um, hears some rustling in a bush, and then out comes a bear. So the next time he hears rustling in a bush by a cave, I think it was, and I probably am butchering the story they told, um, next time he hears, he hears a rustling bush, you hear the cause and the effect, and you have a story about what's, what's creating that. So you kind of, your brain fills in the gaps and says, hey, that's probably a bear or a predator. Let's run. So those stories really filter that meaning. So it's not just a bush rustling, it's a potential threat. So that's a story because it could just be a bush rustling. So um, that's my butchered way of kind of talking about it. I would suggest you read the book, Mind Your Mindset. That's what it is by Michael and Megan Hyatt. But um, really, I think what it's showed me and what it kind of explained to me a little bit better is how much our brains are wired for stories. And I've heard this before in various contexts, various ways, Um, even when we talk about writing or communicating ideas, how much more effective it is to communicate an idea through a good story or a movie or whatever that tells a story that shows how a person is affected in their transformation than to just give raw information. So that's also, I think, part of finding creative voices learning how to create stories or be more explicit about the stories that we tell ourselves and that we tell other people. Um, So for me, one of the kind of moves I've been making lately is to try to recognize the stories that I tell myself. And by recognize them, I want to see them. I actually want to see them in black and white. So what I've been doing is journaling and I do that anyways, but I kind of just go on Apple notes on my phone. So it's not a big deal. I don't like write things out, but I think for me to see things be explicit, it helps me to see the stories because a lot of these stories, they run in the background. And I think one of the points they make in the book is stories are actually a way to make your brain function more efficiently. So by virtue of that, they kind of run on automatic. Like you don't think about the story every time you see something, you just think, well, um, you know, I don't want to start something new. I'm too old or I have a certain job. So therefore, you know, I can't be this other thing that I want to be like, you kind of pigeonhole yourself or you create these stories. And I'm speaking from my own experience, by the way, just in case um, that's one of my stories that I'm too old to start something new. I'm not, there's no reason. And I'll explain that story. So, you know, I have these stories that I find limit my own creativity. So the ones that I've written out that I kind of pulled and want to share with you that I have, and maybe you have similar ones are like, I'm too old to start something new. Raise your hand. If you thought that if you're all over the age of like 18, I've been thinking that since I was 18, by the way, I was even at that time, I was like, well, you know, I haven't really got into music in a big way. I'm 18. It's probably too late for me to start. Everybody good started in high school or something like that. Complete bullshit story, but it's a story that I've been telling myself since then. And it's been running in the background and it kind of creates this drag that I've always had to fight against. Um, Once I kind of brought it to the fore, I realized it's not true and that you know, well, now that I can see it, I can kind of see all the assumptions it lies on as if there's some sort of optimal age or minimum age or maximum age, I guess you would say, for creativity. Simply not true. I don't actually believe that. But somewhere I got that story. I don't know where. It doesn't matter. Um, Another story I'll have is uh, people won't understand what I'm trying to say. So that comes, I know where that comes from. Comes from high school. I was kind of a weirdo. So I love that about myself. But I think a lot of people They didn't understand what I was getting at. They didn't understand what I was into. I was into shit that other people weren't into, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I think when I would try to share something that I liked, a lot of people would be like, wait, what? I don't, I don't get it. You know, if it was like some electronic music or something that I was into, people would be like, man, I don't really get it. So this was like, and this was in the nineties, by the way. So it's kind of, um, you know, people liked what they liked and it wasn't like today 
on the internet where you can kind of find a community for everything. If you didn't live near people who are into what you're into, maybe you could read a magazine about it or whatever, or find some sort of connection. But in the pre-internet days, it was kind of like people, if you, people didn't understand what you were into. Let me just say that. Um, so anyway, what that led to is a story that people won't understand what I'm trying to say. So again, that kind of creates this um, headwind that I've always had to go against. But again, what I've seen, and I think what I'm substituting that story with, and I'll explain how I do that, I've seen that story as um, as not true. Um, here's another one. I'm really, um, I struggle with comparison, sometimes comparing myself to other myself to others. Um, and one of the stories I'll have is I'll never be as good as insert name of extremely talented person there. So why bother? So I'll think I'll never be as good as that person. So why even bother? Right. I look at people who are doing a great job and I compare myself. I compare, and I just read the quote today. I wish I could remember what it was or where it came from, but don't compare your messy beginning to someone's middle or end. I don't remember who it's from. Maybe I can find out and put it in the show notes, but it was a cool quote because I find myself doing that a lot. I'll compare myself to someone who's been at it for a long time and really put in the work and I'm just starting. So I have that story of, well, you'll never be that good or you're not that good now. And I think that's a common story that a lot of people have. Um, another, another one is I will alienate my friends and family if I change, if I do something new. So I've always had that fear. And this comes from childhood, kind of the circumstances I lived in, that if you kind of broke the mold. It was kind of a problem. So that was, um, that's a story that, you know, if I do something that I want to do or express myself creatively, I'll, I'll be, I'll alienate the people around me. Again, I was kind of a fish out of water. That was also true at home. Um, so yeah, so there's that. So anyway, I've got a lot of these stories. I'm sure you do too. And I, so I think my point is, um, to start by recognizing them and the way that I've recognized them again is by journaling. And then I think mindfulness also helps too. anything to kind of bring them to the fore and start to investigate them and not just kind of walk around with this story, the mega story that covers it all up that says, um, I don't have any stories. I'm fine. I see the world objectively. That's complete and total bullshit, by the way. Nobody sees the world objectively. It's only, and I really feel like people who don't feel like they have stories, um, a, it's, I think it's anti-science because science actually backs up what I'm saying, that the human brain does function in terms of stories. But then number two, it's really just you have stories, but you're in denial about it. So if that's you, I definitely recommend checking it out and reading up about some of the ways that the human psychology works in terms of stories. So that's where we're at right now. Um, so yeah, I had to make them visible. And, uh, you know, like I said, journaling, um, we're seeing it in black and white. Um, you get to see your stories and all that. So I've kind of explained my stories, but then what's kind of cool is as you journal, sometimes you dig deeper. So, you know, like I mentioned with the story about being too old, um, I'll dig a little bit deeper and, you know, see that there's this assumption that there's a maximum age for creativity or that all the greats, you know, found their creative voice early. And so that's a common story. I think that's a story for anyone who's, let's say over the age of 30 or 40, like you kind of have this feeling that you missed the boat, that if you didn't make it big yet, if you didn't make it big in your 20s or your 30s, it's too late. Now, I don't know where that story comes from. And who knows, maybe there is some truth, maybe it's harder to do it. But I don't know what the reasons are. And I don't feel any less creative now than I did when I was 18 or 15 or anything like that. Maybe it's because we have more responsibilities and we tend to put creativity towards the back. I think that's what I what I think. So you have less authors and new people who are older because 
we're putting things like making money and raising our families first, right? So I think it makes it harder when you get older. Definitely, I think there's different challenges, but it's not impossible and doesn't mean you can't make great shit. So that's my rant on that, mini rant on that. Um, so anyway, and, and writing it down, again, once you start seeing things, just not in your head where it can kind of morph and, um, I don't know, just take on a shape that is a little bit fluid and hard to see. Once you've written it down, it's actually a lot easier to interact with stories. And this goes for any story or anything at all. I mean, which is why journaling is cool anyways. And like I said, I don't make journaling a big deal. It's not like I have a special journal. Sometimes I do. But uh, most of the time, like 99% of the time, it's just opening up Apple Notes and starting to type because I have my phone on me all the time. It's easy to do. And I want things to be easy. I don't want to make my life any harder than it has to be. So anyway, do it your way. Do it how you want to do it. And then um, kind of as a postscript, you know, it's kind of at the end of this. One thing I will also say is that um, as we sort of transcend our own stories, that gives us the opportunity to change culture. And I think that's what being creative is about anyways. That's sort of the, I would feel like the highest goal of culture is by finding the stories that not only you believe, but that other people believe and maybe believe in a big way, like in a massive way and completely challenging them, right? So I think one of the things that, you know, again, if we take that story I've been kind of referring to of the I'm too old to start anything story, imagine if a bunch of people in their 40s and 50s and more, like, and by the way, just as a weird side note, um, most entrepreneurs, most people who kind of do something big, I think are in their 40s and 50s. So if that's you, don't worry about it. It's not all 25 year olds who lucked out in Silicon Valley. It's really not. But I think um, one of the things that will be kind of cool you know, again, if we challenge this, this story in ourselves, I'm too old to create anything. And then people in our 40s and 50s kind of reprioritize what we're doing and how we're approaching life and where we put creativity in that. Enough of us do it together. If enough of us do it at one time and come out with good shit and are vocal about the good shit that we're creating, guess what? Suddenly this story in culture, which I do think is out there, by the way, I mean, you definitely see in terms of music, etc., that youth is prized, right? It's not like um, for most, you know, it's remarkable if someone's over a certain age and they come out as a musician, if they come out with their first album at 40, that's worth talking about. They're definitely going to mention it. So there is an age bias in a lot of creative industries. Now, I think, again, if enough of us got together and kind of changed that and made um, made our shit at 40, at 50, at 60, at 70, at 80 and came out, and, you know, after living a life and, you know, getting all this experience, getting all this knowledge and sharing it artistically and creatively, we could completely shift how society functions. And that goes for any story. I mean, there's a lot of social and political stories, um, cultural stories that we have that could probably use some reevaluation. So I think, or some revision or completely being discarded, you know, at all. But I think the place to start that is with individual creativity. So that's why this whole project that I'm doing is so important to me, because I want, um, not only to challenge my own stories, but in doing that, create stories that will help other people challenge the stories that they live with. So hopefully I'm doing that here. Hopefully this episode came across pretty clear. I felt like I was rambling a little bit, but um, hey, you know what? I'm still practicing, still learning how to actually record shit and make good podcasts. So either way, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it was time well spent for you. And if it is, or even if it isn't, if you could leave a rating or review or subscribe, or do any of the things, and I'll get better at this kind of call to action later. But yeah, if you want to support, if you think what I'm saying is good or has any value, I'd appreciate if you shared it with people trying to grow it. I'm going to keep doing it. So keep listening. And thanks for listening to this one.